All right, guys. So as we've been going through this book of Exodus, we have been watching some pretty action-packed things take place here in this book. We watched as God appeared to a shepherd named Moses. And he said, Moses, I'm going to have you go into this nation of Egypt and draw out two million people that are enslaved in this nation. Free these people from slavery. And Moses was like, I could never do that. But God said, I will be with you. And if I am with you, there is nothing you cannot accomplish. So Moses went before the king of this nation, Egypt. And he said, God has commanded that you let his people go, the Israelites, these two million people, that you allowed them to be free from their oppressors, free from slavery, to release these people and let them be free. And Pharaoh looked at him square in the eye and said, Who are you to command me? You are a lowly shepherd from nowhere, and your God is nothing to me. I worship the Egyptian gods, and Pharaoh, if you remember last week we talked about, Pharaoh himself believed himself to be a god. And he goes, I am a god, and you tell me what to do? I don't think so. Get out of here. Don't tell me how to live my life. But Pharaoh would pay dearly for this mistake and for not believing in God. And we talked about the ten plagues last week, how there would be many plagues that would fall on top of the Egyptians and fall on top of Pharaoh because they did not believe in God. Some of the plagues we talked about were lice and locusts. Some of the plagues we talked about were frogs infesting their homes, the Nile River turning into blood, literally fireballs raining from the heavens and hail coming down from the heavens. We talked about how their cattle died. We talked about how the sun was blocked out and they lived in darkness and even how their firstborn sons died. It literally looked like the end of the world. Everybody go, whoa. Yeah, it was intense. If you weren't here last week, you're like, what is going down in this place? Okay, what, what is going on here, okay? I walked in here and literally things are falling apart, okay? Well, after each one of these things went down, Moses would come back to this king, come back to Pharaoh and go, listen, now do you understand that God is in control? Now will you let The people of God go, let these slaves go free. Realize how wrong this is that you've been doing. And each time, Pharaoh would look at him and go, no, I will not let the people of God be free. And so Moses would go, okay, more plagues will come. More hardship will come on you. Because you have disobeyed God, because you will not believe in God, because you have put your faith in other God and other things, you will suffer for it and you will have hardship fall on you for it. And if only Pharaoh and the Egyptians had put their faith in the one true God, they would have been saved and they would have been spared. And the whole time, all this hardship and pain is falling on top of the Egyptians. Remember, the Israelites were protected and safe and nothing fell on them, for they worshipped the one true God and nothing fell on top of them. Well, after this final plague, where the firstborn son of everybody in Egypt that was not worshipping the one true God and did not observe Passover... After this final plague took place, even Pharaoh's firstborn son died. And Pharaoh said, you know what? That's it. I give up. Take the Israelites and get out of here, Moses. At this point, he doesn't say you're free. At this point, he literally commands it. He goes, get out of Egypt. I want nothing more to do with these people. And I want nothing more to do with your God. Be gone. And he sends them out. 
So they're like, all right, fine, we'll leave because you're making us leave. So, you know, it's kind of funny at this point, the negotiations have gone from, you're not allowed to leave, to now it's like, you have to leave. It's kind of like, you know, you're talking to your teacher, and it's like, you know, I don't want to do homework. And by the end of the argument, the teacher's like, you're not allowed to do any homework. That's a pretty good negotiation, right? So by the end of it, Pharaoh's like, you have to get out of here. And you're like, all right, fine. Moses is like, fine, we'll leave, okay? So they leave, and all two million Israelites leave, and they're excited, and they're happy, and they leave. But as they're leaving the country, they take a break and a rest in front of the Red Sea, um, this big uh, body of water. And as they're on the shore of this Red Sea, Pharaoh changes his mind. And Pharaoh's like, I can't allow these people to get away with this. I am Pharaoh. I have the most powerful military in the world, and they're just a bunch of slaves. How can they get away with this? So Pharaoh musters up his army. He gets all of his chariots, and he races out to slaughter them in the wilderness. The people find out about this, and they're terrified. They're terrified because they're pinned up against this water and they can't just swim out. They don't have any boats. They're pinned up against this water. And then on the other side is this army racing towards them and they're trapped. And they have no weapons. They're not a trained military force. A lot of them are women and children. They have no idea what to do. And they panic and they look at Moses and they go, what have you done? You've let us out here to be slaughtered and to die. And Moses takes his staff, and he walks to the edge of the water. And many of you might have heard the story, or maybe when you were a kid you had a coloring book and you colored in the story in Sunday school, but he walks to the edge of the water, right? And here's this massive body of water, over 65 million gallons of water. And he walks to the edge of this water with his staff, and he looks out, and far on the other side, he sees an escape. He takes his staff and he plants it into the water. And the moment that it touches the water, the water begins to react. And it parts from his staff, making a streak all the way across to the other side. And it parts in power to where dry land appears in the midst of the water. The the floor of the ocean is revealed. And walls of water appear on both sides, revealing a path all the way through. And massive walls of water appear on both sides. And the literal body of water is parted into two halves. And everybody behind them are like, what? And then Moses is like, all right, let's go. And I don't know about you guys, but if Moses did that, I'd be like drooling a little bit a little like that. Like, oh. Let me get this on the gram. Like, what in the world? Like, I'd be taking some selfies. Like, hey, there's a whale. Like, I'm walking down between there. Like, that's a whale. I, I'd be a little afraid, like, as I'm walking. Then, like, a shark would just be, like, swimming, doing its thing. And be like, ah! And they just fall on top of you and swallow me, okay? But they walk through on dry land. Two million Israelites walk through on dry land. And they get to the other side. And they escape. Well, then Pharaoh rolls up in his chariot, and I'm sure for some point they're just like, like just dumbstruck by this massive display of water parted continually on two sides. I don't know if it was like this thing where you could see wind whipping and pushing it apart. I don't know if it was just like a nice, it looked like like there was an invisible glass, like a, I'm trying to, what is the word I'm looking for? What's the thing? Fish tank. Yeah, fish tank. I don't know if it was like a fish tank thing. I don't know. But whatever it was, it was supernaturally by God 
parted into two halves. And so Pharaoh looks at his army and he goes after them. And I don't know about you guys, but if I was in the army, I would make a little speech. I'd be like, excuse me, Pharaoh, okay? This is the people who they worship a God who just sent boils on us where our skin were infested with boils, rained down fire and ice from heaven, slaughtered all of our people and cattle, um, literally blocked out the sun, uh, killed a bunch of our people, and then they just parted a body of water with 65 million gallons of water in half. May I be excused? I don't want to fight these people, okay? I want to go home and cry, okay? I don't want to fight them, okay? Like, you can no, no, okay? This is like a middle school football team playing the New England Patriots, okay? We don't want to fight them. Pharaoh's like, you baby. I don't know, maybe, maybe somebody did make that speech. And Pharaoh's like, all right, cool. Kill him, and they kill him. And they go, anyone else have any questions? And they're all like, no. All right, cool, attack. And they charge in with their chariots into the water. Well, maybe you know where this is going, but sure enough, God's like, oh, you guys aren't my people. And the water falls down and crushes. I'm just sure, this is, this is not in the Bible, but this is just Barrett speaking. I believe that just for fun, like God had a blue whale just go, hello, and just crush, like just belly flop on top of a bunch of Egyptians. Just, I don't know, but that's what I believe. That's not in the Bible, but that's just Barrett believing. I'm going to ask Moses in heaven, be like, yo, Moses, did like some Egyptians get crushed by a whale? And he'll be like, totally, bro. It was awesome, man. Belly flop. Anyway, moving on. All right, not in the Bible. Uh, so, after that, all the waves crashed down on top and wiped out the entire Egyptian army. And after this, here's what the Israelites did. Because the Israelites have made it safely to the other side of the water. They're just watching. And I'm sure they're still nervous. Like, they're kind of like, hey, God, anytime you want to just, like, crush them, it's fine. Then the water crushes down the top of them. And the Israelites do a very respectful thing. They begin to sing and dance, okay? They break into, tell me, do you want to go? They begin to sing and dance, okay? And they begin to literally praise God, okay? Chapter 15, you look here, it's like a poem. It is literally them writing down a song of praise and worship to God, like, thank you, God, that you broke down and crushed the Egyptians in water. Like, thank you, God, that you destroyed our enemies and freed us from slavery and literally crushed our enemies under gallons and gallons of water, you're awesome. Literally, it's them just singing praise and dancing and thanking God for freedom because you have to understand something. They're not being cruel here. They're excited. These people have been slaves their entire lives. Their parents and their grandparents have been slaves. And for the first time in their lives, when that water finally calmed down and that army was gone, they were free. And an ocean separated them from the country that had oppressed them their entire lives. And now, they were marching to a new land. God was going to lead them to a new land where they were going to have a place to call their own. And they were going to be able to rebuild and make a new place home. This was truly exciting. So they begin to sing, they begin to dance, they are excited, and it's, the Bible tells us that God led them. A cloud by day would guide them, and they would follow this cloud. And then at night, a massive pillar of fire, basically a cloud of fire, how cool is that, would guide them at night, and they would follow this at night, and Moses would lead them through the desert. Now once they got to the other side of the sea, they would have to cross a desert, and then they would arrive in the new land that God was leading them to. 
But first they had to cross a desert. So they're walking across this desert to this new land. And I want us to pick up here in chapter 15. Read with me here. Chapter 15, verse 22. So again, remember, God just did all these miraculous works. He just slaughtered the Egyptian army to save them. They were just singing his praises moments ago. Okay, they just watched him do this incredible thing. Now listen to what happens just next. Verse 22. Then Moses led the people of Israel away from the Red Sea, and they moved out into the desert of Shur. They traveled into the desert for three days without finding any water. Then they came to the oasis of Merar. The water was too bitter to drink. They called this place Merar, which means bitter. Then the people complained. Everybody say complained. And turned against Moses. What are we going to drink, they demanded. Pause there for a second. Now what I want you to do is I want you to skip to uh, the next chapter. Skip down here to chapter 16, verse 2. 16, verse 2 says, there too, the whole community of Israel complained, everybody say complained, complained about Moses and Aaron. If only the Lord had killed us back in Egypt, they moaned. There we sat around pots filled with meat and ate all the bread we wanted. But now you have brought us into this wilderness to starve us to death. Chapter 17, verse 2. Read this with me, all right? Chapter 17, verse 2. It says this. So once, uh, so once more the people complained. Everybody say complained. Against Moses. Give us water to drink, they demanded. Pause there for a second. Can somebody tell me? And I hope this is obvious. What is the theme in these three different verses that you notice here that the Israelites keep having? What is the theme we keep seeing here come up? Yes, ma'am. Yeah, they're complaining here, right? So literally two verses before in chapter 15, they're like singing, tell me how great is God. They're singing about how awesome God is, right? Okay, then two verses later, they're complaining. Man, the desert has no water. Yeah, that's why they call it a desert, all right? I mean, that's, that's kind of what deserts are, no water, right? Man, this desert has no water. Why do we got to walk through a desert? This is stupid. Then they're like, man, in Egypt, we had so much food, and there was food everywhere. When we were slaves, we had a lot of food, but now in this desert, there's no food. This is stupid. I wish we were back there as slaves. Are you kidding me? It's been like five days, and you're like, wish we were slaves again. You were singing about being happy about not being slaves just a couple days ago, okay? And now you're whining. Are you, are you joking with me right now? Are you serious? And then a couple days later, they say this. It would be better if we just died because this is just miserable. I wish we had. Why, why couldn't we just be slaves the rest of our lives? Why do we have to come out here and die in the hot heat of the desert? Are you joking with me right now? Okay, they are just crybabies. It's just, it feels like, has anyone ever had to babysit like a little kid? Anybody? Yeah? Yeah? Anybody? And they just complain. And, and at a certain point, like, at a certain point, you're like really like attentive, like, oh, let me help you, let me help you. And after a while, you're like, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. And you're just like getting like, ugh. Well, here the Israelites are complaining, okay? And I want you to understand something. I want you to understand something. God has to lead them through a desert because they have to cross this desert to get to this promised land that God is leading them to. 
You have to go through this desert, and it's only a couple days' journey. But once you get through this desert, then they get to this land where there's plenty of water, plenty of food, and it's a beautiful land. But first, they got to get through this desert. And there's two problems we're going to talk about with complaining. Two problems we're going to talk about with complaining. One, you miss the blessings that God gave you. One, you miss the blessings that God has already given you. And then two, complaining doesn't help. Complaining doesn't help. So one, you miss the blessings God has already given you when you complain. Okay? And then two, complaining doesn't help at all. Okay, so let's start with the first one. So the Israelites literally just were blessed hugely. One, they were freed from slavery. That's a big blessing. Two, they had the army of the Egyptians crushed and they were saved by God in miraculous ways. Okay, and three, they are being led to a promised land, a brand new land, where they will be able to make this place their own. So they have a lot of blessings to be thankful for. Okay? And when we complain, a lot of times, we miss the blessings that we have. This week, I decided I was getting here for the sermon, and I decided to write down some uh, complaints. So I was working on my day off, and I was like writing down some complaints to get ready for the sermon. So I was... Uh, on the couch, and it didn't take me long to write down my complaints. I'm kind of disappointed. <laughs> I maybe complain more than I should. So I was writing down, and these are the complaints that I wrote down in the span of like maybe a couple hours, okay? So these are my complaints, and then I want to hear some complaints from you guys, okay? These are my complaints. Complaint number one, okay? I was sitting on the couch, and you know, you just got your phone, and you're just scrolling, okay? You're just scrolling, doing the Instagram, you know, scrolling, 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 oh, like, like, <laughs> Like, like. And you're scrolling, okay? And as you're scrolling, all of a sudden, what do you see pop up on your phone? Battery at 5%. Oh, well, no problem. I'll just plug it in. But where's your charger? Upstairs. Where are you? Downstairs, okay? The struggle is real, people, because I'm comfortable on my couch, and the charger is upstairs, okay? And I got my Netflix on. I'm comfortable on the couch, Okay, but the charger's upstairs, and I'm like, I'm going to go upstairs to get my charger, stupid charger. And I'm like stomping up the stairs, and I'm like angry. Get upstairs, pull the charger out of it, go down the stairs, plug in the charger. The charger won't reach to the couch. You've got to be kidding me. So now i got to like plug it in and like put it over here on the couch and like, you know, reach over to like, oh, this is obnoxious. So charge my phone. So I was, I was complaining that my charger was upstairs. Okay, that was obnoxious. Complaint number two. Okay, I'm watching Netflix and I'm eating chips, right? I love chips. <laughs> cool Ranch Doritos. <laughs> you got to love them. So I'm eating Cool Ranch Doritos and watching Netflix, okay? Here's the struggle. And it's real, people. It is real. While I'm watching Netflix, I take a bite. <laughs> My chip chewing is so loud, I can't hear the Netflix every time I take a bite, okay? So I'm chewing the chips and I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, wait, what are you saying? I have to rewind it and listen. I'm like, oh, cool. Yeah, okay, cool. <laughs> Oh, come on, I missed something else, okay? Because So I stop eating the chips, but then I look at them, and I want the chips, okay? But I, I, I want to eat the chips, I, but, but I want to watch the Netflix. So I eat the chips, but then I can't hear the Netflix. And the struggle is real, so what do you do? You just turn up the volume, right? It's like, oh, simple solution. Turn up, Yeah, you're like, yeah, duh, turn up the volume. So I turn up the volume, okay? But then in the kitchen, 
is my sweet wife, okay? And she is so sweet and innocent. She's just like, la, la, She's like making, you know, dinner, doing her thing or whatever. Okay, she's so sweet. And I can tell that it's too loud. And she doesn't say anything because she's like the nicest person in the world. But I can tell it's too loud and it's bothering her because the volume's so loud to be louder than my chip chewing. And my chip chewing's loud, okay? So it has to be loud enough to be louder than my chip chewing and, and loud enough so I can hear it over the chip chewing. But now it's so loud that my wife is being bothered. I can tell by my volume of my Netflix, and so now it's irritating my wife, and I'm like, well, now I'm irritating my wife, and this is terrible, because now I can eat the chips and watch the Netflix, but I'm irritating my wife, and I don't want to irritate my wife, so I turn it back down and eat a bite of chip, and now I can't hear Netflix again, and it's a terrible, vicious cycle, okay, people, you just pray for me, it's a, it, pray for me, okay, if you just get a chance, be like, Lord, please help bear it with this chip chewing, help it to be quieter in the name of Jesus, I don't know, pray for me, okay, moving on, moving on. Finally, I, I decided uh, at another point to have um, lunch at another point, and I went into uh, the kitchen, and I wanted to get a hot dog, right? And I opened the freezer, or the, the refrigerator, and when I do, um, usually we have Costco hot dogs. And who's been to Costco for a hot dog? They are so good. Like, we, we actually get the Costco hot dogs. You can buy them from Costco, like the really nice Costco hot dogs that you get for $1.50, which is a great deal. Uh, and you can get them, and they're, like, really good. And when I opened the drawer, we didn't have our usual Costco hot dogs. We had, like, the little Oscar Mayer Wiener hot dogs. And I don't like those, okay? They are not as good, okay? And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, I came in here for Costco hot dogs. This is not a Costco hot dog. And I was like, I was like cooking it, and I'm like, this is stupid. I'm going to Costco hot dog. And so I'm like whining and complaining about this, right? Okay? And so I eat it, and I'm like, this is not a Costco hot dog. And I'm like, I should get in the car, but it's so far now. And I'm complaining the whole time, okay? So I finish all this, but I want to hear from you guys. What are some things that maybe not even you complain about? Maybe you do. What are some things that people complain about, okay? What are some things people complain about? Yeah? Sibling stealing, sibling stealing your stuff and ruining it. Okay. Yeah. What you got? Slow Wi-Fi. Slow Wi-Fi. School Wi-Fi. School Wi-Fi. Okay. I think they create schools purposefully, one, to look like prisons, but two, to purposefully destroy your cell phone coverage and Wi-Fi. It's like, how can... I feel like there's a guy who walks into a school and it's being built and goes... Uh, how can we make a school that will destroy Wi-Fi coverage and make cell phones unusable? <laughs> so teachers, literally, like, you'll see them in the cold. Like, they have to duck out of the school to make a phone call. Yeah, I, I, I'm outside the school. I'm like, they're making a phone call outside the school because even teachers can't make phone calls. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Cold? Yes, the cold. The cold. It will not be cold in heaven. I'm telling you right now. No one will get to heaven and be like, oh, it's a cold day in heaven. I'm freezing. No, no one. It will not happen. It won't be too hot either. That's another place. All right, moving on. Uh, yes. What was that? Hair tangles. I don't have that problem. We just have bad hair days. But yes, hair tangles. Or split ends is something that girls say. But yes. Uh, in the back, yes. Rain and Papa. Yes. And you can't find the X to click out of them. It shows the struggle. is, And then you click on it and it's like, oh, great. All right. Um, yes. Waking up in the morning on a school day? Oh, just, yeah, I, I would have to agree with that. Yes, ma'am? What? Boredom. Boredom is so, the struggle is real with boredom. Oh, yeah. Uh, what you got? Mondays in general. Just Mondays. I like how we just, a whole day of the week. Yes. What you got? Tomato soup exploding in the microwave. I feel like that's very specific, and I feel like there's a story with that I want to hear later. So, yes. 
when you can't find your socks. Yes, or you find one sock and you're like, this doesn't help me. Okay, this doesn't, this doesn't help me. Um, yes? When your football team loses, just football teams just know how to break your heart. I'll take uh, one more, yeah? Politics. Politics, yeah, the struggle is real. Yes, ma'am? Can't find your phone. Yeah, all right, that's enough for now. You can tell me yours later. But I'll tell you, so each one of these things we complain about, each one of these things, you can tell your friend afterwards your complaint, okay, or maybe you're complaining right now. Or maybe you're like, oh, I'm complaining about how you're complaining too much, okay? I'm just complaining right now. Check this out. Each one of these complaints, okay, I thought about and I prayed about this and I realized this. Each one of these complaints is actually something that's a blessing. Let me explain. Okay, let me explain. Let's go back to my complaints. I was complaining about my phone dying and my charger being upstairs, okay? Think about this. I thought about it, okay? I thought about it, and here's the deal. I have a phone. I have a phone. Not everybody has a phone. And my phone is actually pretty nice. It's an iPhone 6, and I like it, and it's got a lot of charging on it, and I, I like my phone. But check this out. Check this out. I had to go upstairs, meaning I have a home, which alone is incredible because then everybody has a home. And my home has stairs, meaning my home has multiple levels to it. I live in a home that has more than just one floor. It has two floors. Actually, my home is three floors. I live in a townhome that has three floors. And I'm complaining so much, I have to go upstairs. Yeah, Barrett, you have two stairs in your house because your house is so big. You can't even fit all of the floors on stuff on one. You have to build floors. You have stairs. And then I'm complaining about my charger. I don't have my long charger. Yeah, Barry, because you have two chargers to your phone. Not just one. You own two chargers to your phone. So I was sitting there complaining about my phone charger being upstairs. Really, I, I should be thanking God. I have a house with two floors. And it's warm, and I'm living in it right now. I have a phone, and I have people to call and to text, which is people that love me. And I even have a phone in the first place. So actually, when, it, when I could be complaining, what I really should be doing is saying, God, thank you for those blessings. Next, the, the chip and Netflix disaster. Okay, the cycle that is just killing me, all right? So what I could be doing is complaining like, oh, every time I eat a chip and then watch Netflix, it's like a cycle, right? Here's the other perspective, okay? One, I have chips, which Cool Ranch Doritos are a blessing from God. Praise you, Lord. Like, those are amazing, okay? So I could thank God for the chips that I have to eat in the first place. And then I could thank God that I have a really nice TV and Wi-Fi to watch, you know, TV on. And then I could say this. Hey, God, thank you that I have a wife to irritate, you know? Thank you that I have a wife that is so beautiful. La, la, la. And she doesn't sit in there and be like, the TV is too loud. She's just so nice to me. That she's just nice. Like, thank you that I have a wife to irritate because three years ago, I didn't have a girlfriend to irritate, okay? And now I have a wife to irritate. Thank you, Lord, for wives to irritate. I mean, I'm so thankful that I have this. This is a blessing, and I miss this blessing because I'm so caught up in complaining that sometimes we miss the blessing. We miss the blessing because we're complaining, See, complaining is when there's a situation and we don't like the situation because it doesn't meet what we want. Let me break it down for you even further. Maybe you're complaining because, like, oh, I gotta take this medication and I hate swallowing pills. You have medication to take. 
Do you realize there are people that are sick that can't afford medication? Praise the Lord that you got medication. Oh man, my siblings, they irritate me. They're single, their parents, or their kids that don't have any siblings who are like, man, I would love to have somebody to irritate me right now. And you're like, take mine, please, take mine. And you're like, please. You say that, you say that. But, but I'm telling you, they're actually a blessing even if you don't realize it. And you say, man, I, I, I'm so irritated when my football team loses. But, but I, I was talking to a friend of mine who lives in a state who doesn't have a football team. And he goes, I'll take your football team. Even if they lose every game, I'd rather have a football team that lives in my state than have no football at all. And I'm like, that's a pretty good thought process, actually. I, loved, I just like that I have a football team that lives in America or that football exists, right? Like, thank you for the blessing of football in general, right? Like, what a blessing that is. Or, or have this perspective. You know, we can hate on school all that we want. Like, oh, school is the worst, right? But, but let me get real, real, real with you, okay? I went to Haiti, um, not this summer, but the summer before. And when we were there, there was a school, and I was talking to the director of the school. His name is Basti. He's a missionary down there. And all the kids were coming with this uh, milk jug. And it was filled with uh, something that was brown, like this brown liquid. I'm like, hey, what's going on here, Bastia? And he goes, oh, that's the student's tuition. And I go, what do you mean? And he goes, well, um, the students here um, have to earn the right to go to school. They're not made to go to school in Haiti. You see, actually, most students don't go to school in Haiti. But the students... Uh, who have the privilege of going to school, have to earn that right. And here's what happens. If you're fortunate enough, if you're lucky enough to live in an area that has a school, you have to walk to school. And there were students, he says, that walked seven miles to school. Seven miles to school. One way. Meaning, you wake up in the morning, really early. You have to bring your tuition. And here's your tuition, okay? They don't have water at their school. So you get an empty gallon of uh, milk jug, okay? You have to walk to the river. And this is why it takes so long to get to school. You have to walk to the river, fill up that gallon with water. And their water is very muddy and dirty because they don't have a filtration system. Then you have to walk to the school with that gallon of water and bring it back. And then you pour it into a big container that they have, and they filter the water, but their filtration system isn't very good because it isn't a government system. It's actually a system that our church built for them. But even still, it's not perfectly clean water. So they they pour it in, and so their tuition is they bring water to have the right to learn how to read and write. So they walk seven miles to go to school just to have the right to get an education because no one in their family, or most of the people in their family, Most of the time, they don't even know how to read and write. And these kids just want a chance to get an education, just want a chance to have the pride to say, I can read, I can write. Or maybe one day I I can get a real job and and make some more money and maybe get out of the situation that I'm in. Think about that for a second. One of the kids um, didn't want to have to walk so far. So he walked down to the river, filled it up, walked back, and he was sleeping in a nearby field because he didn't have to walk so far home. So he'd just be there in the morning and didn't have to make the walk again. That's how much school meant to them. The blessing of school was so important of education. And we look at school and we go, oh, man, it's an A-day. A-days are hard for me. 
Wow, I have an algebra test. Algebra is miserable. And we get school for free. We get a bus that picks us up. And most of those students, the majority of those students, only have a school that goes to eighth grade, and then it stops, or their parents make them begin to start working to make money for the family. So they only get an eighth grade education. They can't take it any further. Now, I'm not trying, my goal is not to shame you or to guilt you. My goal is to give you a perspective. I'm not saying school is not hard. It is hard. And I'm not saying it's not a hardship. It is a hardship. But check this out, okay? I want us to have a perspective that while we might complain and while it might be hard, it's also a blessing that is from God that you get an education, that we get an education. And we get an opportunity to get jobs and we get an opportunity to learn how to read and write. And we should maybe, rather than just complaining, thank God. While the Israelites were here complaining, maybe they should be saying, hey, God, thank you for what you've done and thank you for what you're doing, the blessing that you've given us. So, first thing we should do is look at complaining and realize, hey, what blessings am I maybe missing when I complain? But then the second thing is we need to realize when we complain, it doesn't help anything. It doesn't help anything. Okay? Let's say you're walking down the street and all of a sudden, a herd of wildebeest run you over. I'm talking like Lion King, Stampede, run you over and trample your leg as you try to get out of the way. Just run over your leg, okay? And after they run over your leg, somebody runs up and they go, are you okay? And you go, am I okay? Let me tell you, am I okay, okay? My leg is broken. I'm bloodied in the mouth. Look at the blood streaming down my mouth. I am bleeding, okay? My glasses are cracked. And let me show you this, okay? My phone broken, okay? Also, look at my Jordans. Scuffed, okay? My Jordans are scuffed, okay? What are those? Those are broken, okay? I can't even wear these in public anymore. I hope you're happy. I am in misery. Now, as you've been complaining, okay, at any point, have, has an ambulance gotten any close to you? Have your Jordans got any less scuffed? Has your phone become any less cracked? No, okay? Nothing has improved as you've been complaining, okay? Everything has stayed the same. Nothing has helped by your complaining, okay? Actually, everything's gotten worse by you complaining, okay? You've made this person's day worse by like, wow, I'm kind of bummed out by hearing you say all that. You feel a little bit worse by saying all that. Nothing has improved. But here's what would help, okay? Somebody runs up. Are you okay? You go, no, I am in pain. Please call 911, okay? Please get me help. I need help, okay? Also, do you know where a Nike outlet store is, okay? I need some new shoes. That would maybe help the situation, okay? But complaining does not help. Complaining keeps you where you are. Complaining actually might even move you backwards. Here's what Israel was doing. Israel realized, we have no water. We have no food. He just sat there and complained. We don't have any water. We don't have any food. What are we going to do? Who could we ask for help? This is terrible. We're going to die. And Moses is like, um, hello? I know a guy who could help. Um, huh, where where he is? Right there, okay? He's literally floating in a cloud above your heads, okay? He literally just parted an ocean of water in half. I'm pretty sure he can get you a bottle of water, okay? This guy literally is in charge of um, everything. I'm pretty sure he can get you a Big Mac, okay? This guy can help you out. What if you just ask him? 
Okay, it's not that hard. It's not rocket science, okay? But you, Israelites, are complaining so much rather than just asking God for help. And we get in situations where we do the same thing. We get into our lives where we have a genuine need because some of the things I'm talking about are things we don't really need help with. I don't need to sit there praying like, God, please help me with my charger that is upstairs. Please divinely bring a charger and lay it in my hands in Jesus' name. Or, or please make my chewing quieter. Those are things I don't actually need help with. But there are things in our lives where we do need help. There are things in our life where we do need help. Maybe you're struggling at school and it's hard. And you're like, God, I need help in my math class. This is hard for me. I'm not understanding. Please help me. Or you're like, God, I'm struggling against this sin. I need your help. I'm not complaining. I need help. My leg is broken. I need help. I need assistance. And there's nothing wrong with asking for help. Okay, there's nothing wrong with asking for help. And it doesn't matter, by the way, how small or how big we can ask for help. My wife, I've told this before, my wife has prayed for small things like, hey, Lord, help us find a parking spot. She's not complaining, okay? We've been like literally like driving around Wegmans like, Lord, help us find a parking spot. And I'm like, really? And she goes, watch. And every time I'm like, there's a parking spot. And she's like, hmm. And, you know, she's like all excited. And here's the thing, okay? There's nothing wrong with praying for anything too small or too big. Now, she's not complaining by praying for a parking spot, okay? There's nothing wrong with that, okay? If you're a, a little kid and you say, hey, Mom, can I have some juice? The parent shouldn't be like, are you ungrateful for the things I provide? There's nothing wrong with asking for juice, okay? Like, stop complaining. There are people that don't have juice in that, you know, somewhere else in the world. There's nothing wrong with asking your father or your parents for things that are good. There's nothing wrong with that. So when I told you all those things, like, you should be grateful, you should be blessed, I'm not saying don't ask God for help in the little things and the big things. You can ask God for help in anything. But here's what I'm saying, Okay? complaining doesn't help, but asking God does. Here's what Moses did, okay? Rather than sit there and complain, here's what Moses did. Check us out. Ready? When the Israelites were like, there's no water, here's what Moses did. He bowed his head and he prayed and he said, God, the water that we have here, it doesn't taste good. It's bitter. It's salty. Can you help us out? And God said, of course. Here, take a stick and throw it in the water. And Moses didn't go, that doesn't help God. Moses said, okay, God. He takes his stick and he throws it in the water. I'm just picturing, like, the Israelites, like, Moses, are you going to help us? And he goes, sure. And I'd be like, whack. Like, thanks a lot, Moses. Like, you're the best. And here's what Moses did, though. He goes, drink the water. And they drink the water. And the Bible says the water was sweet. It wasn't just normal water. The water was sweet. I'm wondering if it tasted like LaCroix water. Like, oh, that's good. Like, it tasted sweet, okay? So the, they loved the water after that. Then they went into the desert, and there was no water at all. And they complained to Moses, there's no water, we're going to die. And Moses, rather than complaining, oh, we're going to die, Moses said, no, 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 okay, we have a need. Let's just pray to God. He's got, us, he's got us covered. He prayed, and God said, all right, talk to a rock and ask the rock for water. Weird, all right? Weird. But God's, Moses is like, all right, I got this. So he walks up to a rock, and he actually didn't do exactly what God said, but that's another story. But he walks up, and he actually hits the rock with a stick. And out of the rock comes water, and the Israelites drink. Then another time, the Israelites are like, we're hungry. This is terrible. And they don't just, you know, they sit down, and they start complaining about how they're going to starve and die. Rather than just saying, hey, God, we need food. Help us. 
That's what Moses does. He bows his head, he prays. And the Bible tells us that in the morning when they all woke up, and every morning after, the entire ground was covered in heavenly bread. It was sweet bread called manna. How cool is this? Bread from heaven called manna. I believe it was Chick-fil-A biscuits. That's personally my belief. But whatever it was, it was heavenly biscuits covered the ground, and they picked it up and they had food. Then the Israelites complained, we don't like this bread. There's too much of it after like months and months of eating it. And God said, all right, cool, I'll change the menu. And he sent them meat. He sent them quail. And so they ate bread and then quail. But God kept providing for their need. All they needed to do was ask rather than just complain. Rather than just complain. So I just want to challenge you with this. The next time you find yourself complaining, ask yourself these two questions. Ask yourself this. Are you missing the blessing When you're complaining. Are you complaining about something that maybe really isn't a big deal? Maybe you shouldn't even be complaining about. Maybe it really isn't a big deal. Maybe your family after this picks a restaurant and you're like, I don't like this food. And maybe you should be like, you know what? My family always picks the places I like. I I can just pick something else. I can just pick something else on the menu and I can just be okay with it. Maybe you just do that and it's okay. You don't have to be in a pouty mood about it. Okay? And just be thankful for what you have. Maybe this Christmas you didn't get exactly what you wanted. And maybe you can just be thankful that you have family. And maybe you can just be thankful that you got something. So maybe just recognize the blessing that you have when you find yourself complaining. Or maybe, rather than complain, if it's really something important, or maybe if it's something small or big, whatever it is, rather than complaining about it and pouting about it, maybe instead... Pray and be like, hey, God, um, I don't want to complain. I don't want to have a bad attitude. Could you actually help me? I'm praying. Could you change the situation? Could you, could you be here with me? Because I know you can do anything. You can do anything, God. Could you help me right now? In the name of Jesus. Because if you can part an ocean, he can help me with algebra. If you can free two million slaves... I believe you can help me with my depression or you can help me with my temptation. I believe in you, God. Help me here today. I encourage you with these words today and I I pray that you guys recognize the power and strength that we can have through Jesus. Recognize the blessings. Don't cling to complaining. But also in the same sense, rather than complain, realize complaining doesn't help. Instead, pray and ask God for help. So let's do that right now. Let's pray.